Hello, everyone, and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And I'm with me today is Jahan Burns. Jahan is a practicing attorney in Birmingham, Alabama. She is married to Bob Burns, and they have two children. Uh, while Jahan and families support various charities, they are passionately engaged with Christians United for Israel, the American Israeli uh, Public Affairs Committee, and Operation Life Shield, an organization that builds the, shel- the life shelters to protect Israeli citizens living in areas most vulnerable to rocket attacks. Jahan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Joshua. Of course, of course. So, Jahan, uh, for our listeners, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself? Um, tell us uh, where you're from and and what what was life growing up like for you? Okay. Thanks, Josh. So, I, um, I was born in Uganda. That's in East Africa. And uh, my dad was in the military. And um, he trained in various countries, but um, one of his last countries to train in was Israel. He trained there as a commando, and um, he then came back to Uganda. So in the, in his day, when um, you were in the military in Uganda, you were a soldier for life. Mm. And so he served uh, various governments in Uganda, including Idi Amin's government, um, when we had um, the whole um, situation that led to Operation Entebbe. So um, my dad stayed in the army until he was assassinated in 1986 when I was about six and a half. So my dad um, had an army and was sort of fighting for peace um, in Uganda during that time when he was assassinated. Mm. So following his death, life, was um, very, very, very hard. We were in the middle of civil war. There was anarchy. There was um, we. The courts of law were just um, almost non-operative. And um, I remember after coming from the funeral, we we got home and someone had one of my dad's friends actually had taken our home, and there was nowhere to go. You couldn't report him to the police. You couldn't file a lawsuit. Mm everything was broken down. So um, one day we were, we had a really nice home and the next day we were destitute. And so my mom had to pick up the pieces and, and, and it wasn't easy, but she was a very hardworking person, very determined mm. and um, managed to really um, help us go through very good schools. So I, I had very, very good education and ended up in a boarding school that was started by British missionaries. And um, it was there that I, I came to know Jesus. My mom was Muslim, so I was raised as a Muslim mm. until I was a teenager. And, and I went to this missionary school and, and came to know Jesus. Wow. So after there, after school, I um, at some point, the president of Uganda um, took over our education and um, helped my mom a lot with with our education. And then I got a scholarship to law school and uh, went to law school. And after I graduated, I moved to England and then I eventually migrated to the U.S. And so I live in Alabama. Wow. And Jahan, you, I want to back up for just a moment too. You said your father okay. had an army, and he was—he was—he was fighting for peace, um, and he was assassinated. What? What happened? Why did he? Why was he assassinated? Well, I think Uganda's history was very turbulent, and for for a long period of time, like in the seventies, the sixties, pretty much the late sixties, the seventies, we we had civil war with um, government after government being toppled. Mm. And um, most people are, that are a bit older are familiar with a dictator that we had in Uganda called Idi Amin. Mm. And um, when when he was in power, he killed a lot of Ugandans, hundreds and thousands of Ugandans. I, I believe that's the number is somewhere in there. Mm. And um, after he was overthrown, uh, the, the situation in Uganda was very, very bad. And so you had all these fighting factions 
you know, um, in the north of Uganda, there were there were fighting factions in the south, in the west. Uh, my my father's tribe um, predominantly lived um, occupies central the central part of Uganda, Kampala, you know, our capital city. Mm. And so my dad, you know, was was fighting with his army um, in in the central part, um, southern and central part mostly, and you know trying to keep peace there. Hmm. And um, in 1985, all these factions, um, most of these factions decided to come together to form a unity government. Hmm. And, you know, they, they, they figured that if they could form that unity government, they would try and achieve some sort of peace, right? right. It was like power sharing um, sort of um, venture. But um, it didn't work out. The, the problem with um, Uganda, at least, is is we have so many tribes. Now, while it's good for culture experience, uh, the reality, as far as unity is concerned, it's 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 had its challenges. It's presented mm-hmm. a lot of challenges because you have at least fifty tribes in Uganda, and wow. and many of them speak totally different languages, and and cultures are different. And so unifying these these different people groups was historically was a huge challenge. Yeah. And, and so interestingly, I, I remember watching a, a BBC documentary some, a few years back that was um, produced in 1985, you know, and, and it followed this unity government and the people there and, and what the peace process looked like. And I remember looking at, uh, you know, this documentary and, and, and I looked at, there was a scene where, you know, I, I saw my father with these leaders seated at a round table, you know, involved in peace talks. And and so many of those leaders uh, were assassinated. So there was there was like a, a systematic um, eradication of, of people that were in leadership at the time. And wow. to this day, at least for my dad, we don't know who assassinated him. I know I do. What I do remember is it was a day, like a weekday and I had to go to school Mm. and there was fighting. There was a lot of fighting that day. And, you know, we had to use like a military convoy to, to be able to get through to, to school. And, and two hours after I was dropped off, my dad came back, picked me up. And there was so much fighting in, Mm. in Kampala, in the city. He dropped me off at home and, and and he received a phone call actually when we got home and it was someone from the unity government calling him for talks peace talks at this famous hotel in Uganda hmm. and uh, and that was the last we saw him he got uh, range rovers about four range rovers filled them with bodyguards and and what we are told one of the bodyguards was a young boy that managed to escape. And they say he's the only person that survived that attack, wow. that they walked into an ambush and um, they they beheaded the the other bodyguards. And, and then they drove my dad to a lonely road and shot him multiple times. And they threw his, his body in a ditch. Wow. Fortunately, when, when they did that, one of his hands, um, was left, you know, was left uh, kind of dang, not dangling, but it, it didn't, it didn't fall into that ditch with the rest mm. of his body, mm. and so, but, but whoever did it tipped off the radio station, the media, and and they 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 began to send out search parties because we, how we heard about it was we had it on the news that wow. we've had reports that George Mkwanga is dead, wow. and and. We just didn't know where to start looking. Mm. And so we started, look, you know, all these search parties, his friends, um, soldiers, they just started um, looking all over the city. And one of his friends was driving in um, one of the suburbs called Bugolobi on a road called Silver Springs. Mm. And and he said for some reason he just kept on driving up and down that road. And, and, and then he just happened to look at, uh, to, you know, to turn his head and look, look outside and um, to his left, and he saw a hand, and and you, you, Josh, what's incredible about this is this was a time of war, so it could have been any corpse, right? right. Because people were murdered and, and just left there, but right. somehow it was it was God's plan to to just ha- to let us have closure because wow. his friend just 
saw that hand and he didn't know whose hand it was, but he something within him made him stop. And, and so he stopped the car and went and looked. And this is like maybe one and a half to two weeks after, you know, the initial report came out that he was dead. Wow. So he, the way he identified him was my dad always wore um, a bracelet and, and that had his army number and his name. And, and, that's that's how we identified wow. him initially wow. anyway. And so as about six and a half and, and so imagine there they, they bring you this corpse that is unrec- almost unrecognizable. They tell you this is your dad, mm. you know, and, and the last picture you saw of your dad was this amazing, handsome, you know, full of life person. And, mm. and now, you know, it, it was very, very difficult for me to to process at, at that age and and I kind of went through the funeral in a blur, mm. but um, you know we 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 survived somehow. Yeah. It it was hard, but you know um, wow. I'm wow. grateful for yeah where I'm at now. Wow, and yeah. Jahan, I mean that's, that's that's some really heavy stuff. I mean I I just in all this one question I have for you is so with all that's going that was going on in Uganda when. For you, when did you become a Zionist? Where does where does Israel fall into all this for you? What made you uh, love Israel like like yeah. you do now? Yeah, oh, it's a good question. So, Josh, I think I always had a curiosity about Israel because mm-hmm. uh, you know my dad having trained there, have, you know he he had great things to say about Israel and mm-hmm. and how humane they were compared, for example, to some of the other countries that he had trained in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had that curiosity. And then when I went to this missionary school um, and uh, got involved in, you know, I started um, attending chapel and I became a Christian. Mm. And when I remember that when I became a Christian, I had a very deep uh, hunger for for the Bible. Mm. So actually what made me a Christian was I decided to read the Bible and I I started in Genesis and I read and I couldn't stop reading. Mm-hmm. I read the book of Genesis and, and I read all the way until I couldn't see anymore. You know, it was wow. dark and I went back the next day and then the third day. And mm-hmm. so I read the whole Bible within three days. Wow. And um, I wow. remember being so moved by what I read in the Bible. But one of the things that was so moving to me was this love relationship between God and Israel. Mm. I had, I was an avid reader anyway. I I used to read anything I could get my hands on, Mm. you know, and as a person that had um, sort of grown up practicing my mother's religion, Islam, Mm. I had tried to read the Quran, you know, a number of times, but nothing was as compelling to me as, 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 as a Bible. Mm. And so, and I never read anything like the story of, of the God of Israel Mm. and, and this God who, who chose Abraham, Mm. made Abraham into a nation. And then he went and rescued this nation from Israel with these great powerful acts. And, and they just watched over it, you know, and just watched over these people. Mm-hmm. It was it was so compelling and amazing to me that I remember when I finished reading that Bible, I just thought, I want the God of Israel. You know, mm-hmm. I want to have a God that loves me, that fights for me, that defends me, like this God defended this nation and, and its people. Mm-hmm. So I remember I went into that chapel and I knelt down and I and I didn't really know how to give my life to God, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I didn't, I'd never seen a salvation track. No one had really ever explained to me how you give your life to Jesus or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I remember, so when I knelt down to pray, it was a very honest conversation. It was more like God of Israel, you know, if I, I, I'm, I have all this trauma and all this darkness and this grief in my life. But if mm-hmm. you will change me, if you will help me, mm-hmm. if you will take away my sadness and my grief and my trauma I will serve you for the rest of my life mm. and I remember that my heart just filled with with this peace and joy and I just began to cry and I wasn't crying because I was sad I was crying because I, I don't know I, I felt different I felt mm. happy and 
and I remember when I stood up, I knew something had changed about me within me. And, uh, and I, I began to really read the Bible. And, but my curiosity about Israel and my love for Israel was really, um, it intensified with my, um, becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so I, at that time, I began to read anything I could on Israel. Hmm. And uh, I was about 15, 15, 16, you know, um, mid-90s. And there wasn't much, you know, when you're in a boarding school, you don't, you can't get right. your hands on too many, you know, too many resources. But uh, every little that I, I could get my hands on, you know, newspapers, I began to read about modern-day Israel. And um, most importantly, I began to pray for Israel. You know, as a mm-hmm. teenager, and mm-hmm. I, I made I made like a vow to myself, and I said, you know, if I ever get a chance, uh, I will give to Israel, I will love Israel, I will visit Israel, and I didn't know how it would ever happen, you know, mm-hmm. um, but but it was it was a vow I made to myself, and I, even though I could not give to Israel at that time, you know, in a tangible way, I could pray for Israel. And so I did. I did that throughout the years until I, I moved to England. And I remember the first thing, you know, first week of moving to 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 England. I, I was in a London suburb in in northern London, mm-hmm. and um, I I saw a synagogue, and I I just jumped out. You know, I jumped out of the bus, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. next bus stop, and I and I went and. And um, wow. to 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 meet these Jewish people mm. because they were the you know they were the first Jewish people I was encountering and I wow. was so uh, enamored excited and um, so that that that's where the journey began and mm. it's, uh, God has not disappointed me and Israel has not disappointed me you mm. know there, there are times you 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 have a longing and a desire for something or someone and you get to it and you're like ish you know. Mm. This, is, this isn't what I thought it would be, but but for me, it's it's been incredible, and and I think Josh, what what I found was so interesting to me mm. is how I had this deep longing for Israel all these years, and the first time I went to Israel, and I heard the story of Theodore Herzl, you know, um, I was so moved because mm. uh, one of the things I found out about Theodore Hartzell, well, I remember the first thing was to see how this man had this dream of of a nation, right? Mm. Of his people right. coming back to their land and establishing a nation at a time when not many people believed in, in the same dream that he had. Mm. But he worked for it. He worked towards it. He he lived and breathed it. Yeah. You know, he and, and I it so inspired me. And, and then I found out that during that time, he, um, Theodore Hartzell had worked with the British government or parliament yeah. and came up with what they call the Uganda plan. Because at that time, they did not, you know, wow. it wasn't readily apparent to them that, that Jews could come back to, 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 to the land of Palestine, as it was called at that time, right. because there were all these challenges. And so he worked with the British Parliament to say, maybe we could create a temporary place um, where Jews are welcome to go and uh, until we can work everything out for them to return to the land of their ancestors. And so that's how the Ugandan plan came about, that they were going to have a place in, you know, in, in Uganda. Mm-hmm. At that time, Uganda was a protectorate. Yeah. And so, um, and, and that, that was approved. Uh, but, you know, I, I believe that uh, there was a conference for Jews in uh, maybe Switzerland and they, they, they voted against the Uganda plan. But I, mm-hmm. I keep on thinking how... How interesting is that, that, that we've always had that connection there, you know? Wow. So, yeah. Wow. The Uganda plan. That's, I, I, that's, that's incredible. Yes. You should read about it. It's, Absolutely. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I will. And Jahan, um, and you've, you've spoken quite a bit about, um, as a Christian, what, what Israel means to you. And I want to know if there is a, also a connection for you to Israel, 
um, as a, as a Ugandan, like as an African, um, do you see, do you see connections there or is there a connection you feel there to Israel as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Josh. Mm-hmm. Men aside, we, we always have the, as Christians, we always have that biblical divine mandate, you know, to love Israel, to support Israel, to bless Israel. Mm-hmm. And that first and foremost is always the, the driving force, you know, the, 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 is, the inspiration to to please the heart of God because Israel mm-hmm. is important to the heart of God. And yeah. if if you love someone, you want you love what they love, right? I love mm-hmm. God and I, mm-hmm. I love what he loves. Um so that that is a main driving force for me. Mm-hmm. However, um I, I think we, we I mentioned a little bit earlier about Operation Entebbe. Mm, yes. That that we had a former Ugandan president, dictator that um Cooperated with um, Libya and and they and, and they hijacked this this plane, you know, this, the terrorists hijacked this plane and mm. and and um, they that that plane flew to Libya and then and then it was welcomed in Uganda by Idi Amin and mm. and they took uh, all these people hostage and um, Benjamin Netanyahu's brother Yoni and led a team of um, Israeli commandos to Uganda to rescue those hostages. And unfortunately, you know, he, he, he died. Yoni died there. Mm. But, uh, you know, for, for me, that was as a person that loves Israel, as a mm. person that believes what the Bible says about blessing Israel, that was a huge tragedy. Mm. And, and for many Christians, for many Ugandan Christians, we, we that was something that as we got more and more aware of the importance of Israel to the heart of God, that was always such um, a terrible tragedy, a, a very regrettable um, event. And, and for years, uh, Christ, many Ugandan Christians prayed about that. They, mm-hmm. they prayed for for the love of God, for the forgiveness of God, wow. you know, to to be on our land. Because, I mean, we, we've been, as a country, Uganda suffered so, so, so much. Mm. And I know that for many Ugandan Christians, there's been such a concerted effort to repent for that event. Mm. To, you know, I know many Christians that um, go to Israel, you know, to, to pray for Israel, to bless Israel, to say, look, we, we, we know that we have this horrible, tragic event mm-hmm. that happened, you know, in our land. But but we want you to know we love you and, mm-hmm. and, and we want to make up for the past by, by showing you our love, by by giving you our prayers. And um, Uganda is a very um, pro-Israel that, that because we have a very large Christian community, it's very very pro-Israel. Mm. I, I see videos even now while I'm in America. I, I get videos of of Ugandans just having nights to honor Israel, um, you know, prayers to honor Israel, and and so it means a lot. I remember two years ago, I went to Israel on a trip, mm. and it was the Holocaust um, Remembrance Day. Mm. and um, lots of people, there were lots of people, and so we were going through security, and I noticed a lady, and she was wearing the traditional um, dress for, for my tribe, the Baganda. Mm. And it's it's a very distinct dress, very long, it's like a sari, but with um, sleeves that are huge, like elephant ears. I mean, like, you really can't <laughs> miss it. And I'm just like, this is someone from my country, mm. from my tribe. Wow. Um, like, what? and it wasn't a very, it was a cold day. And I'm just like, and, and you know, it's so, it's so bulky. It's not the kind that you can, it's very hard to wear like mm. jackets all over it. Like, it oh, no. like oh, she must be freezing. Yeah. Oh, no. And and the material is usually sil- silky, you know? And, <laughs> and so I just kept on staring at her, but she was part of another group and I was a part of another group and were, you know, separated by security. And so mm. I, I we, we didn't really have a chance to meet. So mm. we, we were shown to a sitting area and, and I ended up getting in this conversation with a rabbi that, um, I know they are like super nice man and we're talking and 
someone standing nearby overheard our conversation and he said, hey, you have an accent. Where are you from? Mm. I said, well, this accent is from, I'm from Uganda originally. He's like, oh my goodness. Um, I work at Yad Vashem, you know, the Holocaust yeah. Museum. And um, we, we we have a group. Yeah, it's like, we have a group and part of our group is is a lady from, from your country. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, so my, my mind races to that lady. I'm like, yeah. that must be her. And so I'm like, would you please introduce me? And Josh, let me tell you what, how God works in such amazing ways. Mm. So shortly after I came to Christ, you know, mm. as a Christian, I was a young believer in a Muslim home with very, very limited to no freedom of worship. You know, right. Um, and I remember that I was living with a relative at the time, you know, and I, it was a holiday season and I, I went to live with one of my relatives and I couldn't go to church. Mm. But there was a nearby church right next to her house and I could hear the services, the sermons, the prayers when I sat on the veranda in, you know, at my aunt's house. And, and that is what encouraged me during that time, listening to this man speak and Mm. preach and pray, even though I could not physically go, Mm. I could hear his voice. And I remember that that man, um, died suddenly in an accident and his wife who had been living in in a country in abroad in the west came to his funeral and i remember she she preached with such fervor and passion and i remember thinking wow this this woman she's she's her heart is breaking she's just mm. lost her husband but but the love that she has for God. I didn't hear her at any point blame God. She, she just encouraged the congregation and, and told them to stand firm Mm. and, and to trust God. And I always thought, you know, I I never forgot her. And I thought that's one person I would love to meet because she showed such strength and, and, and um, fortitude at a time that most people fall apart. How about I'm now at Yad Vashem and this is the very same woman that I was introduced to. Yeah, it was so incredible to me. And so I told her that story. I'm like, do you know, I have wanted to meet you for years, you know, and I never thought we would because she lives in a different country. I live in a different country. And what are the odds that we would meet in Israel and that this woman would be a Zionist, a very strong Zionist, a very strong supporter for Yad Vashem? So um, all this to tell you is that Ugandans are very pro-Israel. And that 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 very same day, she's like, oh, you won't believe it. Um, She's like, it's not just me. There is, you know, she's like, there's another gentleman in our group. And she she introduces me to this gentleman. And it turns out to be the editor. He used to be the editor of our main newspaper in Uganda. Mm. And I remember that the first year that I moved to the U.S., I decided to open up about my father's death and how it affected our family. Mm. And I remember writing an article about it. and, And I decided to send it in. And this was an editor that published it and polished it and and it touched so many people. Mm. But I had never met him. And so here I was now at Yad Vashem and I told him who I was and both our minds went back to that article mm. and how it had affected the whole country. And we just hugged and cried. And I found out he'd written a book about Israel. Um, he's wow. very prayerful. So it was... It was very heartwarming, very encouraging mm. that I'm not, I'm not the only person from Uganda that, that has um, a love and a passion for Israel. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I want to pause right here, you all. The JW Show will be right back. Don't go anywhere. How can we sing the Lord's song? In a strange land How can we sing the Lord's song Shackles on our hands But Zion calls to us The city of our God Lift up your heads, O ye gates The everlasting doors
back to the JW Show. I'm here with Jahan Burns once again, and we're going to continue our conversation. It's just, it's, it's incredible just to hear some of these stories. I mean, like you said it yourself, that Ugandans are very pro-Israel, even though um, the government hasn't re- reflected that, you know, in, in history. And, and you, you were talking about Operation Entebbe for a little bit, and, and that was, that happened about 10 years before uh, your your father was assassinated. You said in eighty six, right? Correct. Um, yes. And so, what do you feel that? I, I, and you mentioned you talked about it a little bit, and maybe I'm hoping you can maybe talk about it some more. I know that there are some who say that the fact that Uganda was the place where the the terrorists um, took the hijacked plane, and also where where Prime Minister Netanyahu's brother was killed, that actually. Um, you know, when you we talk about the scripture in Genesis twelve three that says, "I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you." Um, there are some Ugandans who say that 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 actually brought God's curse on the country. That that is an, an Israeli was killed on Uganda soil, um, and that Uganda also was was a haven for those terrorists. Um, can you can you speak a little more? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, Josh, I think as Christians, when when we look at for example, if if we even just start in the Bible, how that there is a curse that God pronounces on the enemies of Israel, mm-hmm. that if 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 you persecute Israel, God Himself is going to fight against you. Mm-hmm. We see that all through the Bible, right. and uh, we see it in history. You know, we 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 see in history that that God has always fought for 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 His people. Mm-hmm. And that the persecutors of Israel, you know, and the Jewish people throughout history have disappeared from the face of the earth. Mm. Well, the Jewish people have survived against all odds. Mm. Who do you think is looking out for them? Mm. God is. Absolutely. And, and so what happened in Uganda? Of course, as a Christian, I, I, I look at that as an action, you know, that, that to act against innocent people, especially, you know, people that God had has a covenant with that is promised to protect. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to invite a curse, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, that is something that you need to repent of mm-hmm. anti-Semitism that invites a curse. Mm-hmm. That is something that if, if you are a person that has been involved in it, you need to repent of it mm-hmm. because it displeases God. And God has said he will not bless that kind of conduct mm-hmm. and he will punish that kind of conduct. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, those are not my words. Those are God's mm-hmm. words right. and I'm not going to argue with him, <laughs> you know, and I think that most many Ugandans that are enlightened to, to those biblical passages mm-hmm. have been very, very, very proactive about praying, about repenting, you know, for, for that and, and asking God, for for blessings, there's there is a pastor in Uganda I like and and respect. Um, he's called Molinde, John Molinde, mm. and he leads every year. He leads groups of people to to Israel, and and they they pray. You know, they they pray for the for the welfare of Israel. They play, they pray for the blessings of Israel. You know, um, I, I believe that as as a people, you know, that is that is something that we. For most of the people, I can't say I'm speaking for everyone, but what I'm aware of for most Ugandan people, especially Christians, is is they are they are very now they are welcoming now of 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 Israel, mm. and they're appreciative of the renewed um, friendship. I, I can't, you know, when Benjamin Netanyahu came to Uganda yeah. a few years ago, you cannot believe in the Christian community, because those are people that I was corresponding with at that time about that issue, mm. how emotional we were. We cried. Yeah. We, You know, I was already an American citizen, mm. but I cried because, I mean, you think about it. Yeah. If, if your brother or your sibling got killed in the kind of circumstances that mm. his brother was killed in, you yeah. know, by this nation, you know, and 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 this man had the forgiveness to and, come to that nation right. and and bring that forgiveness to to me as a Ugandan that meant so much wow. that meant 
I forgive you. Mm. That meant mm. I'm willing to work with you. That meant I'm, I'm extending the olive branch. And I think for many of us, we took it like that. Mm. At least in the, I can say for the Christian community, yes, that, that was, it was like God was just telling us, it's mm. okay. It felt like getting a big hug from God, wow. you know, wow. after the prayers and, and just the, you know, the, the passion with yeah. which we, we threw ourselves in, 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 you know, to pray for, 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 for God's hand and, oh, and for, for his favor upon wow. our country. And yeah. he, and, and Prime Minister Netanyahu, he was the first prime minister of Israel to visit Uganda since the operation in Tebe, is that right? So 40 years? I believe so. Forty I years. So. Wow. Yeah. And and I'll tell you that there's so many Israelis doing amazing things in Uganda. One of the um, organizations that I love is Innovation Africa. Mm, yeah. And Innovation Africa has um, a female CEO. Um, yes, ma'am. Sivan Sivan Yari. Yes, yeah, She's incredible. Incredible. She's um, taken you know solar power to villages in Uganda, mm. water. Um, I remember watching a presentation about it while I was in Israel. Mm. Um, I remember talking to her. She has such a big heart. I mean, mm. it's it's awesome, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I remember a few years ago, I and we 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 were in a meeting, and uh, with one of the prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu, spokesperson, mm. and I asked that question. I said, "Well, is is Israel?" interested in in Africa and engaging Africa and he was I mean he just he his face just lit up he was like oh my goodness yes yes mm. he's like um the prime minister he's that is one of his huge big priorities is is to engage Africa there is so much that that um Africa can benefit from Israel and there's there's you know there's a lot of cooperation that can happen between African countries and Israel you know mm. think about it. Israel is a huge um, technological power yeah. and and Africa is not and and we need that technology and but but also Africa has a lot of resources and we need ethical people to yeah. to because we, we've worked with some unethical countries yeah. that have really exploited yeah. our resources and our people so yeah. I would rather that we work with a nation as ethical as Israel that can um, work with us to further, you know, our development in, in mm -hmm. Africa. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and at no uh, negative or unnecessary expense to you. Um, Correct. To the African, to the African continent. Absolutely. Uh, Jahan, so, and you, you touched on it a little bit too. You know, we see now, especially recently, Israel's starting to normalize ties with different African countries. Um, do you see any hope for relations between Israel and Uganda? And, and how so, if so? I, I believe so. I, I think that Uganda is, is pro-Israel. Mm. You know, I, I think what happened in 1976... That's not where we are now as a country. Hmm. I, I think that um, uh, we see uh, that that Uganda sees Israel as a friend, as an ally, as um, as 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 a country that has a lot to offer. Hmm. You know that that's how I see it, and that's, that's my opinion, of course. But I'm, I'm, I, it's not baseless. I'm, I'm just looking at how things are going. Did you know, Josh, that mm. in Uganda, in, in the eastern part of Uganda, there is a community that many, many years ago in the 18, towards the, the I think, early 1900s, mm. this, you know, the, the man that started this community converted to Judaism. He was a man called Semei Kakonguru, converted to Judaism. Mm. And um, he became like a leader of this community of of Jewish people, Jew, you know, they, they, they're like Ugandan Jews. Did you know that, that we have Ugandan Jews in Uganda? Right, right. Wow. For years and years and years. And, mm. and they've, they've practiced Judaism until until this day. Right. 
So, so even the fact that you ha we have in Uganda a, a a community that is growing and and actually strong now, mm. vibrant community that that is Jewish, and that is developing very strong connections to Jews all over the world, especially Israel, shows you that that the the breakdown that happened between Uganda and Israel in 1976 is not there now that, that I think the country is moving every year. The country moves to in, in a more positive direction as far as um, having good ties with Israel is concerned. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Jahan, if I need to ask you this question because we started off talking about your father um, and you, you mentioned briefly that he, he too, um, loved Israel. Is that right? Did I get that right? Correct. And so if he, if he were here now, what do you, in seeing what you're doing now, the work that you're doing, um, and, and all the things that you do and, and you know, and I didn't even ask you about your work in Birmingham right now. I mean, you sit on different boards, um, the Birmingham Jewish Federation and the Birmingham Holocaust Education Center, um, the work that you do and how you advocate for Israel the way that you do, um, wh what do you think he would say today? I think he would be very proud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he would be very, very proud. Um, do you know, so I, 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 I served on the Birmingham Jewish Federation board um, mm -hmm. for, for quite a number of years. Mm -hmm. And I stepped off this year. In earlier this year, and uh, then I stepped onto the Birmingham Holocaust um, Education Center mm. um, board. My dad would be proud because mm. he was a person that um, cared about suffering, about righting wrongs, mm. about justice, and um, I care about those things too. Especially, you know, um, Holocaust education. Mm. One of the things I, I remember listening to a Holocaust um, survivor. I went to speak to, at a Jewish Federation mm. and um, after I spoke one of the um, a Holocaust survivor approached me and, and just gave me a big long hug mm. and, and she, she said she said you know I, I'm glad that we have we have that history of suffering together because it helps us have hope. Mm -hmm. It helps us have um, to 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 we we're able to look at at life and look at it with eyes of hope, eyes of strength, mm -hmm. and and to inspire others to be better and to do better. And I remember, you know, her story was very compelling. I mean, if I went into it, it would be here for another hour. <laughs> it was so compelling, and I I I just kept on thinking about it and thinking about it. So it, it drove me to read more and more stories of, of survivors. And then visiting, like every year when I go to Israel, I have to go to Yad Vashem. You know, mm. last year I took, uh, I, 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 I took a, a, a bunch of people that were friends of mine and, and introduced them to uh, a really prominent survivor that's, that works at Yad Vashem that told them, her story, and mm. and these people had not really had Holocaust education, wow. and it was so um, you could see how amazed and touched that they that they you know that they were very very touched, mm. and so I I find that you know the more we educate people mm. about the suffering, the trauma, the the Holocaust, the more people are aware of 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 what anti-Semitism is, and and. When you do that, you equip them with the resources and the will to fight it, right. and the will to say no, never again. You know, mm. and and that is that is a form of fighting for justice. Mm. You know, because we have people that are Holocaust deniers, and mm. I think when someone denies your pain, you know, mm. they it's it's almost like it's very it's very disrespectful, very belittling, mm. and. Um, it's it, it's very threatening because if someone denies the things that you've been through, it means that 
to, it sends a message that that they, they're not willing to stand up for you if something like that ever happens, what will happen again, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and so my, my, uh, my passion, I want to put my energy into, into educating people into, you know, making people aware that, that we have a choice and we can use our choice for good, for justice. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I think he would be very proud because those are the ideals he lived by. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jahan, I, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for sharing with, with us today. I mean, this has been uh, invaluable and I know that our, our listeners are, are really going to appreciate this segment. Um, I just have one more question for you before we go. That's okay. Okay. Um, I, I, um, one, one thing that's been ringing, um, for me ever since, ever since, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu said it was that, um, he said, Israel's returning to Africa and Africa is returning to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that happening with Uganda? How, how is Uganda returning to Israel and how is Israel returning to Uganda? Oh, wow. So I, I think in, in some of the things I've, we've, we've discussed today, mm-hmm. Josh, that um, Israel is, re- is returning to Uganda. Look at prime minister's visit there. Mm. But but look at um, what Israelis are doing. I wrote. Uh, I remember a, a, f- a few months ago, I, I wrote. I was reading uh, this story about um, Israeli water engineers. These were young people. Mm. These were young Israelis that uh, engineers that had graduated and were starting out life, and and they went to Africa. And and they took, you know, they 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 took all their resources, their tools, and and they were just providing water. Mm. Now you think about it, most young people, are, it's not that they are callous or anything like that, but they 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 have a lot of other things to do, especially mm. when someone is just starting out, right? right, right. They some of them may be starting families or careers, and mm. you know they 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 have so much you know, to engage them in their home and, in, you know, in their own local sphere of influence. Mm. But these were young engineers that took time off. They're giving life, right. you know, they're right. giving your life back. Right. So, that, you know, Israel is giving to Africa. No, no, there's there's no doubt about that. Mm. Africa is returning to to Israel. And it's what, what um, I kind of touched on earlier that, Africa has a lot of resources. Mm. You know, I look at Uganda. We're a very small country. We we have all kinds of minerals, and now you know we've they've discovered oil, and 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 that needs to be explored. And you know, I I love Israel because I have you know I've witnessed Israelis firsthand. I've I've witnessed how um, humane they are, even to mm. their enemies, and. You know, what better person to partner with? What better country to partner with in, in your developmental goals? Mm, mm. You know, so so I mean that my desire is to see African countries engage Israel more, you know, more and more, you know, in 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 areas that, that we need them. And we need them in lots and lots of areas. Mm. Um, I, I do... I, I believe I've I've read or I've heard that um, Uganda, that Uganda's military, uh, Uganda has one of the best military forces in 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 Africa, hmm. you know, yeah. and, and one of the better equipped um, countries militarily. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I, I believe it was it's it's been a big partner with the U.S. in fighting terrorism in Africa. But I I, I believe I heard or I read from a, a credible source told me that we you know Uganda gets its um, most of its military equipment from from Israel mm-hmm. and training. You know because right. when they buy, they, then then Israelis also train them on 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 how to use this and and so even in the fight against terrorism and you know that that's 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 been an area where mm. um uganda has benefited you know mm. so yeah. i i feel like if 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 african leaders would would have 
the the willingness and the foresight to engage Israel more mm. um, that we would even see bigger development mm. than 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 we see now. Wow. And I'm I'm hoping that they go that way. You know, Absolutely. I'm hoping that 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 African leaders will also be able to speak up for Israel, and the United Nations. You know. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jahan, um, I'm, I really appreciate you for, for taking time and, and speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, yeah, Jahan. I really appreciate it for I'm your I'm grateful insight. for the opportunity. Absolutely. I, and, and I hope maybe we can do it again soon. I know you have a lot to share and a lot of, a lot of stories. Um, and and yeah. I know our listeners would love to hear it. But thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Once again, this is the JW Show. I'm Joshua Washington, director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and I'm signing off.